What is going on, Whisper Nation? And welcome to another episode of TFW Live, where we are going to be doing a mock draft, 12-team PPR single quarterback redraft draft with none other than the one and only Liz Loza, you already know from Yahoo Fantasy. So incredibly honored and excited to have you back with us, Liz. Travis, love you. Of course, you already know this. Liz, how are you doing today? Great to have you with us. I'm great. I am excited to be back. I'm excited to be drafting on Sleeper. I am very new to this platform, uh, given the place I work at. So yes. I'm, I'm, I've only had uh, done a I did a couple of mocks in like prep for this, but um, bear with me if I ask some questions about how their ADP works. But otherwise, I'm excited. I love this time of year, right? Because this is the time to like not stick to your rankings. This is a time to like experiment, throw yes. all of the spaghetti against the wall see what happens and like there's no real accountability right not till august we're just having fun right yeah. now we're letting our hair down we're enjoying the time and i had watched in preparation i was doing a little work myself and i had watched one of those mock drafts that you had done over on sleeper in the last week and you did mention this experimental phase and it has the question i wanted to kick off the show with before we get into our actual mock draft you had talked about the experimental phase, and I wanted to know early summer ADP sleepers right now that you expect to be climbing up, as well on the other side as some early summer ADP busts that are right now high that you expect to be lower down the market as drafting as the season gets closer. You want me to say those now before I mock against you and Whisper Nation? <laughs> I mean, it's I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that part of this experiment? You can find out <laughs> as I'm going before getting to She's too good. good. She's too good. Yeah. I can't get anything by this one. All right. Let me give you just a couple. I really like Russell Gage this season. I really liked him uh, over the spring when Tom Brady was like, yeah, I handpicked him. He's going to have a big year. Okay. I, I trust you, especially given Chris Godwin's injury. Um, I think Allen Robinson is someone I'm very interested in. I'm up, the medicals are, are something I'm a little bit worried about, but right now he's the ECR wide receiver 24. You mean to tell me that Allen Robinson isn't going to be better than a low end wide receiver two in that offense with a quarterback, by the way, he's obviously pretty familiar with having played against him twice a year in the NFC North. Um, we're looking for running backs. Trey Sermon. I'm just kidding. It's not Trey Sermon. <laughs> um, um, I actually am intrigued really late by Damian Pierce in Houston. I think Ooh, he has great oh. sleeper potential. I do think there'll be a changing of the guard. Maybe, maybe Marlon Mack starts out the year RB1, and then we see kind of like we did in Arizona with David Johnson and Chris Johnson, a changing of the guard around mm -hmm. November, but I like Pierce a lot. I also am intrigued by Ramondre Stevenson, who's been working on his pass-catching skills, according to um, beat reporters in New England. And I think that that is someone who could end up surprising and out kicking their ADP. Thank you so much for those breakdowns. Those ones are good. And you're speaking to our hearts a little bit on that one. Russell Gage, I've been pushing him for years, even back to the Atlanta days and getting recruited by Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, not being fully healthy. I'm like, yes, let's get some of that wide receiver two action cooking. And Travi, I just made it. I know you just made a trade for Allen Robinson. So you got to be liking that one too. Yeah, I'm in on the Allen Robinson hype this year. Best quarterback by far he's ever played with in okay. college and in his, in his career in the NFL. So we're, let's well, go. we got whisper nation coming out as well. Ronald saying, love the place you work at at Liz. It is his favorite platform. Ronald, I was thinking about you. I kid you not. I got a decorative gourd for you right here, my dude. He commented on my hipsterness, and it's not just because the decorative gourds. I also wear UPS shirts, apparently, just for, even though I don't work there. Uh, Travi was giving me a hard time before the show, warrantedly so. Well, Travi, I mean, what are we waiting for on this Nothing one? We got our, let's get our mock draft. 30 seconds. Uh, we're starting three wide receivers, and it's a single QB. Just a reminder. Let's do it. All righty here, bring it in. Oops. 
Trav, you're going to have you work the board on this one. I am the first one up, and I am going to go ahead and just not get cute with this one right now. I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor first off the board. But, Liz, is there any storylines we need to be keeping in mind for the top of the draft grab bag? It's like we got Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. I know you're a little behind on Derrick Henry because of his slipping effect efficiency rates. Um, Austin Eckler from Eckler's Edge. I know he's been a killer fantasy player as well as supporter of the oh, fantasy. Oh, I got a pick. Well, it does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I'm just like really trying to mess to with you. I'm like, point. oh, that's all very, very cogent, Austin. I appreciate Oh, shoot. I got 10 seconds. Yeah, I'm going with Dalvin Cook. <laughs> there we go. So Dalvin Cook, another like, do you like the top of the draft this year, or are you trying to move yourself a little bit further away from that 101? So uh, I took this spot because I wanted to force myself to see what I would do. Mm. And I don't, I know that I should probably take Austin because of our rapport, but I am interested to see what Kevin McConnell is going to do. Kevin O'Connell is going to do in Minnesota. So for me in that two spot, I was actually thinking of either going Justin Jefferson or Dalvin mm. Cook, who is my RB2. So I want to see how it falls wide receiver wise, having made the running back choice. Justin Jefferson, your favorite pick for the number one overall receiver in redraft? No, he is not. Cooper Cup is, but I love this oh, because everybody is on Cup. Yeah, right. What I mean, I did. There we go. And a big shout out here to BroCal and Don Flick, uh, the real Mr. Miyagi. Love to have you back, Mr. Miyagi. It's been a couple of weeks. Great to have you here with us again. Maher 23, RJC number two, Albert M1218. Uh, Token White B, J Blizzy, Smitty Satow, and Big Travi, of course, to round it out within the sleeper room and everybody here in the chat themselves. Great to have you with us here, Mike and Albert. Do it for 20, Mr. Miyagi, Pizza Belly. Happy Monday as well to all of you. It's great to have you with us. And if you have not already liked this episode, do us a favor and hit that like button. And if you are new to the show, and you like what you're listening to, you want to be a part of a community where you know that you belong, all you got to do is tap that subscribe button right there. We're trying to get to just one new subscriber today. Isn't that right, Travis? That is right. Got a shout out to my mom. She said hi in the chat. Oh, <laughs> what's up, mama? Pretty nice, huh? Yeah. I also wanted to ask real Mr. Miyagi, like we know you're the real Mr. Miyagi, but what if you weren't and you went around saying you're the real Mr. Miyagi? Should there be like a punishment? For that mr miyagi yeah did you have somebody who was trying to front on you i want to know a little bit more history on that back day but travis i want to know a little bit of history on your thought process right now here drafting at the back of the first um yeah i don't it's just best trying to go best available at this point um set myself up for some for some huh. success sorry so i went with joe mixon here uh maybe it's a little paying homage to our our friend liz here who was all getting us hyped up on joe mixon last year uh, with the new look Bengals and it paid off mightily. He was one of the few running backs that stayed healthy and, and returned on his ADP value. And I'm really in on Diggs this year. I, I almost went lamb, but I, Diggs is the one guy you can't really have question marks about, you know, in the, in the top wide receivers, he's tied to the good quarterback. He's shown us already that he can really, uh, really dominate from that wide receiver one position. Um, and I'm just in on Diggs on, on a little bit of a bounce back. There was a little bit of a efficiency gap between the two Allens and Diggs last year that there wasn't the year before. And I think that can get right this off season. I hear all those points on this one, Liz, I wanted to ask you, you know, we love the player takes. We love the analysis. 
Um, but what we here at the Fantasy Whispers really enjoy is the culture surrounding fantasy football, the thought experiments, um, the philosophies that different folks put on when they come into these drafts. So I wanted to know when you're drafting, because we're, we're just getting started here, do you have a philosophy or a plan you're trying to fulfill, or is it just working through the value and trying to get the best snags wherever you can? Fuck around and find out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, also, I think if I have a strategy, it's which players are going to hit in September. Like, what players am I getting the most, a hottest start from? Because that's what you need in the first month. Like, you want to go, you want to win four in a row. You got to win at least three of those matchups in the first month of the regular season. Otherwise, then you're playing from behind. But once you hit week four and buys are a part of the situation and injuries start to mount, like, then you have to manage. So if you're trying to ace your draft, I'm trying to find, like, if I'm looking at the schedule, I'm looking at players who have the easiest start to the schedule. Okay. And is that the same regardless of format, best ball, redraft, sleeper pickup, or excuse me, dynasty I think that's pick my redraft. That's like my okay. redraft strategy. Okay. I think best ball is sort of like who's going to have the highest ceiling games. Right. Okay. Makes a lot of sense as best ball has just gotten more and more popular. Uh, Whisper Nation, we're not going to be doing a best ball draft at the end of today's episode. Just a heads up. T. Higgins, Liz Loza takes. I wanted to ask you about T. Higgins because I was looking through your rankings and I saw that Mike Evans you had up a little bit higher, but you had taken T. Higgins ahead of Mike Evans in a different yeah. mock draft. So can you talk about the difference between Higgins and Evans and how you're looking at these two? I guys? mean, I think from a volume perspective, again, without Chris Godwin as part of the mix, that Evans might have more. But I am just so excited about T. Higgins, especially without – and his presence in the red zone, right? Without C.J. Uzoma as part of the offense, there's an awesome opportunity for him to continue to, uh, you know, continue to grow his work in the red area. Um, so I I'm just liking him a little bit more. Mike Evans has, you know, heard a bunch. So I should probably adjust my rankings if I'm being honest. Okay. Well, no, no, no. You don't have to adjust your rings. Like you said, we're in June. You get to do whatever you want here. I think the it thought was experiments. I think it was your colleague, Matt Harmon, who was saying like, I love this time of year because you can make any take you want right now. Yeah. And then like later you can solidify the ones that actually make, you know, a lot of sense. And like, we can actually see things happen. It's funny because everybody, I think the biggest thing that's happening right now, maybe you could speak to this a little bit, Liz, too, is oh, running back so deep this year. It's so deep. And everybody's like, oh, it's, you know, like, and then I'm just thinking like, well, last year, both the Baltimore backs got hurt. Travis again got hurt. Like it wasn't, it probably won't be this deep by the time we roll around the regular season. I probably won't be this deep, but there's always going to be a Ramondre Stevenson type that flashes in the preseason. And maybe he doesn't give you, like I mentioned earlier, a hot start, like a week right. one awesome production, but there's always going to be one of those guys bubbling up to, I mean, that's why the market is what it is. You can get a third or fourth round pick and they can end up being a stud. Um, I do want to say, like I took Kyle Pitts right here. I've not mm -hmm. taken him on any mock that is high, but I'm desperate to see. I think I'm expecting like a leap here. I don't understand. He cleared a thousand yards. His problem mm -hmm. was that he only scored one touchdown. Given the changes, I'm expecting a really nice leap here. So again, I'm usually someone who waits pretty long on tight end. I have a lot of sleepers that I've been taking later. Um, you know, Herb Smith is a player that comes to mind. Cole Komet immediately, even Gerald Everett now in Los Angeles with mm. the Chargers, not the Rams as he was two years ago, are guys that I'm looking at late. But I just wanted to try it out. So I want to say I think Pitts is going to clear at least six touchdowns in 22. I love that. 
Pitts is such an exciting one. He came in with such high expectations, started the season off a little slow, and then really picked it up. Given what's happened in the offseason for Atlanta, I'm just really excited about Pitts on all fronts. And I'm wondering, last question on him is how high do you think his ADP goes if we get like two or three really positive reports coming out of camp? I would be surprised if he well, I don't know. I don't think I don't think he lasts. I think the highest he'll get is middle of second round second round. I don't think he creeps into the first round. And I would I would can't imagine him really getting much higher than I just selected him. I think you're right. I expect to see somebody reach way ahead of where they should, and you're just not going to get around. Like someone's going to be in love with him. He's got such yeah. like, he's got such cool things going on him. Like I think it's a pretty sexy pick on this one. But Travi. I love I what to- Ian Hart had said real quick about Kyle Pitts. He said, you know, because Pitts could only score in London. That's why the Falcons drafted <laughs> London. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah. London to Pitts. Uh, there we go. He's always got London with him. Now. Um, yeah, what were you going to say, Austin? Sorry. I want to get your take on the Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton snag. I like these two high-ceiling wide receivers. Cortland Sutton, you know, he's got at least a shot to be Russell Wilson's new number one. We'll see how Jerry Judy heals up from that little tissue issue he's got going. We'll see. Uh, but I wanted to get your take on Pittman and Sutton. I like them both. You do too, obviously. Yeah, just some of the drum beats I'm hearing. I don't want to give too much value to the offseason stuff, but Sutton's been around. He's been available. You know, Judy has not really been yet. And I, you know, I love Judy. I think he's a great wide receiver, but I think Sutton kind of profiles to fit the actual X wide receiver that Russ is looking for. And I'm going to go with that. I think he's a guy that's proven to be a boundary deep down the field wide receiver. And we know nobody throws a better deep ball than Russ. So I'm really in on that. And then Pittman, man, I just think Pittman flashed so many good things in uh, last year and over the last couple years. And now he's going to play with, you know, a guy in Matt Ryan who's going to be the best QB for him to have played with yet. So uh, I'm just buying in on on the availability. And I kind of like where I got both these guys at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth. Shout out to John Credit. Hate those tissue issues. I know he took Kyle Pitts third overall in our Dynasty League a couple of years ago. Great to have you with us in the chat, former champion, but not as of late. We'll see if he can turn it around. (laughs) Love you, buddy. Uh, Liz, really quick, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, total value aside, who do you think scores more points by the end of the season? Cortland Sutton. I don't trust. Judy's got some off-the-field stuff. It's not major, but it is something, and especially when you're working with rapport and a new quarterback, plus he's already had a soft tissue tweak. I think it was a groin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the tea leaves, right? It just feels like kind of bad vibes right away mm. with him. Mm. Yeah, I get it's those ones. It's good vibes only summer for Liz, okay? Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, good vibes only for my next two picks here. I got to really hone this one in now. Brees Hall, I, I wonder if, uh, Liz, if you think like I do, he's, he seems to be that type. <gasps> you just took of- him? Yeah, he seems to be the type to kind of beat the dead zone here with his pass catching profile and just the way that he is the young, you know, a younger back. Obviously, Michael Carter had a good year last year, but the, you know, the draft capital would say Brees Hall should emerge here. Yeah, no, I know I said this with Trey Sermon last year, but it is rare to see a franchise trade up into the second round to get a running back, especially given the market. So. I think that Hall coming out of Iowa State obviously has a coming out of Iowa has an incredible workhorse profile, as you mentioned. And I think he's going to see close to what on average 18 can flirt with 20 touches a week. I'd see that. Yeah. And I just I just think his pass catching like I know what Carter did was special for his draft capital and mm-hmm. what he did last year as a pass catcher. But I don't see a way where Brees Hall doesn't outshine him even as a pass catcher, just given some of the things he was able to do. 
uh, as you said in college. Dude, I was trying to get off Brees Hall so hard in the rookie draft coming in here, Travis, especially after you and I made that swap. So I picked up the 101 pick. Like I was trying not to fall in love with Brees Hall, and I just couldn't. I went ahead and was like, well, you know, he doesn't have this part ahead of Kenneth Walker. And then, oh, yeah, he does by a, by a wide margin. It was just yeah. so clear that it was Brees Hall. I'm excited about that. But I did want to get Liz's take on the player taken right before Brees Hall. J.K. Dobbins selected by Bro Cal oh. there with the 10th pick in the fourth. I had heard on the pod you mentioned J.K. Dobbins has got a good shot to return to his third three-down destiny. And given Harbaugh's recent reliance on committees, but not an entire history led by committees. He can go with number one back. It just hasn't happened recently. You are predicting J.K. Dobbins to return to that three-down form? Yeah, I, I do think that that's what he was drafted for. If you look mm. at his production at, at Ohio State, obviously he had never missed um, a game except for one, I believe, his entire time at Ohio State. Mm. Obviously got a little bit banged up in that last game. Uh, in college and he's coming in with an injury, but who is he competing against here? Who are we worried about? Gus Edwards is certainly part of the equation, but he's also significantly older coming off of an injury. I think he is, you know, on the wrong side of 27. And I actually hadn't had, like hung out with Tony Jefferson, former safety for the Ravens and talked to, and this was in like 2018. And he was like, Gus, the boss, we all love him. I think that that is very much a um, culture player for the Ravens more than Cult someone favorite. who's going to yeah, yeah, like, no, like a glue guy, if you mm, will, yeah, which is yeah, huge yeah. to like the Ravens culture, right? That's a guy that everybody is a locker room guy. Locker room, uh, Mark yeah. Ingram kind of filled that role previously. And I mm. think that he's more there for that to serve that purpose than necessarily steal touches. And if you look what the Ravens did throughout the free agency period and the draft, it does look like they're returning to a vintage style of Ravens ball, which should mean a lot of rushing opportunities. He will get vultured, of course, by Lamar Jackson. But if he's your RB2, maybe you can get him as an RB3. Then that's just sexy. I love that a lot. And I, I like the way you bring up Gus Edwards as this like cultural piece, this glue guy. And then also I reminding me of some of like our – our cult favorite players, we call them like the truthers. Like, oh, are you a, a Raheem Mostert truther? Are you yeah. a J Jerick McKinnon truther? You know, we've heard that lingo. Dude, sleep. A Marlon Mack truther, yes. But like every time some news breaks, the funny thing on Sleeper now is to be like, how does this affect Marlon Mack? Like the internet just loves Marlon Mack right now, so that's what it kind of reminds me of. And but but Gus Edwards is kind of like the the big boy version of the Jerick McKinnons. Yeah, he's got like that plus five yards per carry. He's got some cool deep metrics that are real shiny. Lower drafted guy who's never gotten a full workload, and everyone's like, let him cook. But then you know it's like, do we, re do we, do we really want to see what he would do preparing an entire menu? For the entire restaurant, like I don't know, he's really good at this one dish. Let's just have well, to keep and as a pass catcher, that's I mean, J.K. Dobbins' profiles to be a much better and more much deft uh, pass catcher than Gus Edwards. So I think you have some additional upside in that regard. And he no. just looked like man, Dobbins looked strong rookie season when he got the ball in his hands. Like he did some really really special things, um, you know, efficiency wise. So I, I'm all in on Dobbins. I think he's a great po prospect, and I think you know we're gonna want you're probably there's going to be some value in Gus too. You're just going to want part of this running game. They're that they're literally going to run the ball all the time. And uh that that that's what they've said by drafting a million tight ends and shipping off Marquise Brown. So Liz Liz, you're coming up now to I'm your sixth to, pick. Yeah, I'm trying to draft uh Well, you're up. Now. I'm, who are you, who are you thinking? Oh. oh. <laughs> I sorry, I had it. Devonta Smith, Devonta that was a quick Smith. pick. Yes. Sorry. You I are in on a 
Any concerns with A.J. Brown, or do you think Devonta well, Smith— I think it helped him. All right. I think it helps him. Like Devonta Smith was like pushed into this X receiver role at all of his 160 yeah. pounds that he weighed last year. It's not his role. It's not his job. I think he, with a player as physical as AJ Brown on the other side of the field, it'll allow Devonta Smith to like lean into his speed, lean into his finesse, be moved all over the field. I think you're going to have, I mean, if you're looking for a best ball target given ADP, Devonta Smith is just chef's kiss. Hmm. You took my quarterback, though. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you got me. The Eagles talk is getting me pretty excited. And I'm trying not to take another running back here in Miles Sanders, but it's really hard for me not to fall in love with Miles Sanders right now. And you know what? The heart wants what the heart wants, and we're in an experimental phase, so I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to double up on some Eagles love right now. So right now I am looking at Dak Prescott or Matthew Stafford. I'm out on Hmm. Brady. Um and I don't like Rodgers. I mean, can you can't you imagine like the Vikings are going to win the division, right? But I don't mind myself an Allen Robinson stack. So give me staff. I am okay. I almost want to like smack myself right now for taking Jalen Hurts when Matt Stafford was still around. We've got the number five overall quarterback, the number five overall fantasy player with all positions last year in Matt Stafford, who is playing for a brand new team who now has an improved wide receiver core, bringing Allen Robinson on board. We've got Van Jefferson, who's going to take a leg up. We've got Cam Akers coming in healthy, who should be able to be passive, catching passes and doing good work from Tyler Higby's no slouch. Why is Matt Stafford not going to overperform what he did last season? And he was the number five overall QB. I think it's because nobody believes in him, right? Like that they're, oh, it's, it, he got lucky. It's McVay. Like he never did anything. Detroit. He's not going to, and he did have some weeks that were like, he's Matt Stafford. He's a QB. He's the QB seven. And then he had other weeks where he right. was absolutely fire. So on the average, I think he's just kind of boring. And he doesn't have the wheels that the younger guys have and that we like for fantasy scoring purposes. Yeah, Yeah. there's a couple things. I think that they threw a lot more last year than maybe, you know, usually when we see those teams on the high end of throwing, especially for passing touchdowns, we see that regress a little bit. But again, they did increase the talent in the wide receiver room, uh, even if just bringing Allen Robinson in and then even if OBJ comes down down the stretch. So maybe that is a moot point. I think the other thing is he's got an elbow injection. Um, in his throwing arm. So we've got to watch that. I don't think that's like, I want to see where he's at in a month from now, but I think that's something to monitor too. Um, and then I just think maybe with Cam, or Cam Akers coming back and actually having his feet under him before, you know, unlike just coming back in the in the postseason, we'll see this team run a little bit more. But again, I think of the statues we're talking about down there, I think the dart throws there. And I love that you're tying it to the Allen Robinson take. Travi, you talked about what we're going to be looking forward to next month. Well, one of the things I know that we are going to be looking forward to next month is the mock draft marathon, which we do every year. It's 24 hours of straight mock drafting, which Liz Loza has joined us on in years past, has kicked off our the whole event last year, actually. And before we get too far on this, we just got a little bit of a hype video here for you, Whisper Nation. Mock draft marathon. What is this? It's consecutive mock drafts for a total of 24 hours. Requires hours and even years of preparation. Which is a little bit controversial, but... Are you shitting me, Johnny? I didn't plan that, I swear. I can pretty much say 100%. Something that you really love to do. Let the games begin. Somebody came in and stole Johnny and they're hijacking his draft. Oh, he's going to blame it on his 78-year-old neighbor. Damn it, you guys snuck in a super flex. I knew it. Ball is going to taste different than this meatball. That's not that bad from a flex. Outliers decide fantasy 
here. Stand out above the crowd. About the same set of 200 players, and it never gets old. July 23rd, make sure that you are liked and subscribed, Whisper Nation, to catch the full slate of guests, professionals, friends, and everything in between. We're going to be running it back for a fourth time this year. Easiest way to stay notified is to hit that red button, and then you'll get all the stuff coming to your phone. Don't you just love that all the time? (laughs) All the time. Everybody loves uh, notifications, man. Yeah, I just love them. My, my anxiety. I just can't get enough coffee to like handle all the notifications all the time. It's just awesome being alive today. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Oh, dang it, dude. That's what? I love mock drafts, man. I'm dropping the video in there and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get Dalton Schultz. And I draft Dawson Knox and he, oh, that's not- he's already gone. Uh, that, well, that's not a horrible one there. Some people are kind I mean, of feeling weird about Dawson Knox, though. I don't. I think a lot of it's touchdown dependent. Uh, but I do, I do see a case for Knox where he could actually increase his role as like a secondary option in the passing game. If we're all screaming for Gabe Davis and people are kind of in and out on that, then maybe it's something where Knox uh, is somebody that can emerge. But I'm, I'm really more in on Dalton Schultz and his volume in that offense than I would be Dawson Knox. Mm. Real quick, I do want to ask a question to Liz. It's a little bit longer form one, but I know she's right now about – to draft uh, coming around. And then we've got four picks that are getting squared up right now. So I want to just jump to some of the questions we got going on in Whisper Nation. Who did the music? Johnny Game Time Hicks. I think he pulled it, though, from a uh, from one that was able to do. So, yeah, Johnny was the producer on that video and is here for the most of the videos that we put together. Yeah. Okay. So, Liz, you're on the clock now. Who are you thinking? Mm. I'm I'm looking at Devin Singletary as much as I like James Cook. Again, I think early hot starts, and I think I'm going to go that way, although hmm. I was uh, potentially wanting to reach for Alexander Madison, which is the problem when you draft a guy like Cook or Elliott. Maybe not so much, so much Elliott this year, but like drafting that guy does require taking up a second, I think, um, bench spot. Hmm. Uh, but also you know that you have pretty stable consistency at a really volatile position if you do it. Mm. I think Singletary is one of those guys that like, if we're looking at it, like who could be this year's James Conner? Singletary looks like a guy that like, I think could emerge. Like we love James Cook. We're pushing up James Cook. We're talking about him. He's the new shiny rookie, but Singletary did handle the workload down the stretch. And like, should something happen to Cook? He, we've shown this offense wants to have one guy handle it. And they did it towards the, you know, get when the games were most important. So I think Singletary is a guy that's fine down here as you're kind of stacking up these upside running backs. Penny taken right before him, I think, is another one that where the rookie's getting steamed up and, and it's like, okay, well, let's go alternative, you know, narrative. Let's go, you know, different timeline here. What could happen? And I think that's worth the, the gamble. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to steal it. But I also think it's interesting you mentioned, you said steamed up, like that they have very similar ADP, right? They're going mm-hmm. within spots, not right. rounds of one another. Um, and I, I, I think Singletary is going to have a hotter. I mean, also, don't you want a running back attached to Josh Allen and a pretty lit offense? That's, that's I do. key. So you that's want key it to the offense for sure. I guess the case would be you don't want it to Josh Allen because he's stolen all these rushing touchdowns. But I do think that they are serious after they've given, given him the bag that they want to get more Protect off of his him. plate. Yeah. 
And Devin Singletary is low key, really good at running the football. I watch him sometimes and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I sometimes I'll see other plays and he just takes it to the house. And then I do a deeper dive on his metrics and he is way above the fold in so many notable ones. And I'm just like, damn, this guy gets slept on. And I would just love to see what he could do with more opportunity. And then, you know, last year, every single time they gave him more opportunity, it seems like he was able to really make something impactful happen there for you, you know, whether it's. 23 fantasy points in week 17 where he gets 23 carries for 110 yards or a couple weeks before that with 16 fantasy points on 22 carries. It's like, like I, I think he's like kind of a low key, unsexy, sexy pick. I'm going to see what he's about. I also think if your nickname is motor and it's been your nickname for life, like, I don't know if we're putting a lot of stock into like fantasy nicknames, but like that one's pretty legit. Like yeah. I, when I saw him coming out, I was like, well, he does. He doesn't stop moving. He has got a lot of push for a dude his size. No doubt. Liz, I wanted to ask another one on the other side of the draft, and Travis is making a couple of picks that I just I don't care about asking him about. I wanted to know from you, Liz, you know, at your position in the industry, you're at an elite level and you get some really cool opportunities to draft with amazing people, whether this be Austin Eckler or other industry professionals, as well as just fantasy football casuals. And I was wondering what the similarities and differences that come to mind to you drafting with fantasy football professionals, NFL players, and fantasy football casuals. Similarities and differences. That like over the years, I have been stunned at how informed and educated casuals have become because the amount of content and infotainment Mm. available is that is just exploding and so i don't think honestly the difference but like the pro am drafts that i'm in i don't think the ams are that am compared to the pros like everyone's reading the same rankings everyone's making their takes everyone's researching in june everyone knows that the nfl is a 365 product i will say that drafting with professional athletes like athletes have such a big job like this is their side hustle it's maybe one of many side hustles you know like this is a true hobby for them and so they tend not to um know much outside of their division and they have trouble drafting like other players like other rookies in particular like wait who's that Mm -hmm. guy i don't know that guy i haven't played against him you know Mm. like i'd say that that's more interesting like, why would they be going out of their way to researching the sixth round running back right. that I'm but telling you what Tennessee's really going to do? Yeah, you know, right. unless they went to college with a the guy, they don't really know much about him. And I'd imagine they have like a relationship with the existing NFL players within that larger fraternity. Like Devin Singletary, you're my dude. I've seen you at games. We've gone through the thick. James Cook, like, wish you the best, man, but talk to me in two years. Well, and they've always they've probably been in either of those places, at least with Austin, like talking to him about Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon last year was really interesting because he kind of took Melvin's job, you know, and so he's now seeing this situation in another location, but in the same division um, in Denver. And so he was though he was like, you guys don't understand how good Melvin Gordon is like, don't Mm. just steam up to use a travi phrase javante williams because he's the hot new tackle breaking thing like mal's got some juice left in him and i took that advice and it worked out well this year we'll see what the split looks like in 2022 um but i think it's gonna piss off some of those javante truthers how good like he's gonna be a thorn again now i don't think it'll be to the same level but i think that's interesting that you bring it up like melvin gordon's another guy that maybe through the summer his adp will rise a little bit more but i think 
people have been dra- been waiting for Javante <laughs> season so long that they're ready to like just crown him. And Melvin Gordon's like, hey man, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here and I'm, you know, still kind of good at what I do. And Melvin Gordon told me, like, we had him on Eckler's Edge, and he told me flat out, like, he had spent that summer, the 2021 summer, in um, working out with Frank Gore in Florida. Mm. And he was like, that is who I'm modeling my career after. Oh, so he wow. plans to be a – and he only missed one the week truthers are screaming year. right now. <laughs> like, I, I am staying off of Williams because I still think his ADP is a little bit high. Yeah. And, again, if Melvin starts to fall apart because of age, it's a different story. But – when he told me that, I was like, ooh, this guy is motivated. I've never, I've interviewed plenty of players and I've never heard that comp so passionately or frankly ever, not just passionately from a running back in particular. I've got goosebumps right now, truth bumps as they come up on this one. You know, we're having these larger conversations about the age break and where we see running backs traditionally fall off, but then also recognizing that there hasn't been a huge injection of running back talent over the last several years, which has not allowed for running backs to keep going at high levels in those like 26, 27, 28, 29 year old seasons moving forward. And Dave Kluge came on and said, you know, we've got actually a lot of talent though, that was really good, you know, four or five years ago, that is getting to that 26, 27 year old point. Melvin Gordon was, you know, a little ahead of that curve, but Melvin Gordon, uh, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, even are all guys who are 26 or older, Austin Eckler as well, who we're still really excited to be taking in the earlier rounds of fantasy redraft leagues this year. So I'm just wondering if you have any comments on the talent that we see right now coming in, how it's a little bit stronger than what was, you know, a couple of years down the road from us or this age break in the NFL, as well as shifting training techniques like Javon, excuse me, Melvin Gordon and Frank Gore talking about. Well, I think it's that, actually. I think the training techniques are very Mm. different um, across the board and whether, you know, TB12 kind of revolutionized some of this stuff. I don't know if he revolutionized it, but he made it more available to the masses Mm. when he's talking about diet, when he's talking about um, all of the – well, I don't want to say the word massages right now, but like all of the Mm. other – things that athletes use to preserve their bodies it's not just working out and i will say like there are some players uh who get hurt frequently and often has said they need to be in the gym more if they weren't Mm. in the gym if they were in the gym more um they wouldn't get hurt as much and Mm. so you could kind of like that's why the players who have like the recurrent soft tissue issues that is so unpredictable a break is so much more predictive in terms of back to health and Mm. back to um professional level of health than something like a soft tissue issue so when you start seeing like that's why robinson stuff makes me a little bit nervous because if you Mm -hmm. it it all kind of started late in the 2020 season Mm -hmm. and it's all lower leg stuff stemming from like i believe a knee issue so we'll see though if the staff in los angeles has some more new age preservative ideas for him and obviously you know there's a, a good chance that he just kind of made a business decision in Chicago, knowing yeah. that he was on his way out. Yeah. I think that's uh quickly, Liz, make sure you turn auto off on your queue. You're on the auto pick now from that last. Oh God. It's on the okay. top. I just want to make sure you don't end up doing it again on accident. Um, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. And I also was kind of looking at the track record of the Rams, like who the, the, the free agents they've brought in. And these are team, you know, people that other teams thought were bad, like all the way back to Robert Woods. 
People had written off Robert Woods from Buffalo. He comes over. He does well there. Brandon Cooks. Now, they traded him away, but he ended up doing what he needed to do there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, OBJ last year. And I just think they do. They may not be the best with their draft picks, and who cares? F them picks. But they do what they have to do to bring in these like wide receivers. They, they have a good track record doing it. So I'm kind of buying into that. I'm buying into the quarterback play. And, yeah, I think the biggest thing, you know, not to besmirch your Bears there, Liz, but I think it's really like about – he was like done there. Like they, he had taken a chance to sign there and then they just weren't willing to do anything but tag him. And he was, he was done. This is not me. This is Brocal 38. Brocal, <laughs> you're, you're auto drafted now, my dude. Um, I want to talk about Devonte Parker because I, I yes. think he's a player. We're talking about old Please. guys with uh, some soft tissue issues. And then mm. I go ahead and pick him, but that is because <laughs> I think it's very interesting. First of all, he starts week one versus Miami. So I think there's some motivation there, obviously. He asked Miami to grant and allow the trade to the Patriots, and they were all about it. So mm. Devonta Parker, when he's on the field, still a pretty good player. I think he clears probably. I think he could flirt with – I'll take the over on five touchdowns um, on a full season, assuming he stays uh, I don't even think he needs to stay healthy, honestly. I I have him, I think, projected to miss three weeks and still hit five touchdowns. But I think Devonta Parker is one of these late-round sleepers. Again, an unsexy, sexy pick. Obviously, there's a need in New England. And if Big B wanted to get him, then he's going to use him. He has an opportunity to work as the team's ex, something they didn't have. And I think it actually sets up a really nice ecosystem when you also have born being more of the Z finesse guy and obviously Jacoby Myers serving in the slot. I love that Patriots take. And I was hoping you could expand a little bit on the Patriots offense and your predictions for that offense, both in an NFL format and fantasy wise. Well, I'm a little bit worried about touchdown projections now that they have both tight ends healthy. Obviously Hunter Henry was able to work in that regard because Johnny Smith wasn't on the field at all. I I interviewed um, Mac Jones at the Super Bowl during the week, and he's a goofy guy. I got to be yeah. honest. Like, he's yeah. got that Gen Z weirdness about him. Um, and I, But he is, like, one of the – I think people forget, like, he's real cocky, and he definitely was trash-talking at the Pro Bowl, and he's this, like, weird, goofy guy, but he's also the child of attorneys, and he's incredibly cerebral. And Bill Belichick – loves that kind of player, loves a player that's going to study the playbook. And that is actually perfectly like Matt Jones is not a fantasy option because his best quality is that he doesn't make mistakes. And that's mm. not like upside enough, given the position and given the depth at it to pick, but it is someone who can service all of the other players in a really like, for, again, maybe not a high ceiling way, but in an efficient way. And if you're looking for a floor play to balance out your roster, then that might be a team that you're looking at later on. Yeah. And I think there's a point to be made that like Mac Jones can get better, like just cause he was the best yeah. rookie last year and they were just very conservative. doesn't mean that they don't start to open up the playbook in his second year a little bit more to, to Liz's point. Like he starts to get better. That could mean that the, the kind of the, everything else rises because he's the one that kind of helps them get there. Still not probably somebody you want to bank on in anything other than two QB leagues, as Liz was saying, but somebody that you could say, Oh, maybe he has, you know, enough to get, to get, Hunter Henry there a little bit more on yardage Parker there a little bit more as well. Hmm. 
That is certainly going to be fun to take a look at, as is this completed draft board with Irv Smith being the last player selected tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. We got another draft in the bag. Whisper Nation, well done. Travi, Liz, it was awesome doing it with you. We're going to now jump to some of our draft evaluations here. Travis, myself, and Liz are going to give you a brief breakdown on our own teams. Liz is going to be with us for the next 14 minutes before she's got to go. And then Travis and I will take a stab at the remaining teams, breaking them all the way down and getting to the rest of your questions, Whisper Nation. So keep throwing them at us and we'll make sure that we get to them all. But Liz, we've got 15, 14 rounds down through the bag. And I was wondering if you could give us a little evaluation on your own squad, what you like. And now that it's all wrapped, what you might have done differently if you got to do it again. Uh, so what I would do differently is not take Aaron Rodgers. That was <laughs> like that. Me not paying attention. <laughs> Although at that spot, I wouldn't mind replacing him. And I noticed that he was still available. I just wasn't able to scroll quickly enough. Um, Derek Carr. And I think I'm interested mm. in the Raiders. I think there's a lot. I'm seeing Hunter Renfro getting paid. I don't know which of those pieces, how they're all going to work together from a statistical standpoint, but I do know they're all going to benefit Carr, who had, who was the QB, well, he was the QB 13, I want to say, last year, maybe better than that. Like, there is no reason that he can't fall inside of the top 20 and top top 12, rather, and serve up um qb1 fantasy numbers in fact like would it surprise anyone like think about it for real if he were to outproduce tom brady statistically this year uh i mean i i I think it's possible for sure crazier things happen every year yeah like is it crazy to me that like tom brady might get hurt like you know they they they, they, ali marpet did retire i know we have everyone coming back and russell gage is someone we can be excited about but Bruce Arians is not the head coach anymore, and it might be the same offense. And he is a little bit older, and I know that everyone's taken bets on Tom Brady's age since before he was old. But but I also think that there might just be an opportunity there where, especially in the division that Carr is in and and the different moves that have been made within that division, like that's the new NFC West. Like that, there's going to be so much high flying offense. I think Carr's not getting enough credit. So if he I has to be like Matt Stafford, he's like Matt Stafford to me right now, who the Perfect last two years was healthy 19, 15, and number five last year. Perfect. That awesome. seems That's like a Carr. Perfect comp with Devontae Adams. I know people have made enough out of the Fresno State connection, so I'm not going to bother. But you also have Hunter Renfro. You have Darren Waller. You have uh, Josh Jacobs, who, who does catch passes, believe it or not. Every once in a while, he can be used that way. So I think that's someone that I'm. Um, much more high on. I think also, you know, like Cole Komet, if we're talking about late tight ends, he's another guy in terms of volume. My question about the volume, though, also obviously no Jimmy Graham able to like snipe him with the, you know, one target and the touchdown that Komet should have gotten frustratingly all last year. But I think the thing that I want to be careful about with Komet when people really want to make him their flag guy is remembering TJ Hawkinson last year and remembering as well that defenses do adjust. So even if volume is there there's no guarantee that defenses aren't going to adjust and he is not a wide receiver and he can be taken away and i don't think that darnell mooney is a wide receiver one and that's going to be problematic for his efficiency not necessarily his volume all right well there we go we've got it so you got the sleepers you got the heavy hitters you got them there 
All I mean, right. I think my team is fire. If I'm like being honest, I think it's great. <laughs> there fire. it is. Like, take yeah. out Rob. There you go. It's Your like chest, Liz. One out of ten, I'd give it like a nine point two. Okay, I'm with that. I don't see any holes. I see the upside. I think it's got a nice high floor as well. I drafted with a professional. I'm not really seeing too many things that I could poke big holes in. I would have to really overextend myself to actually like have any that would hold any water. And I'm just not going to do that right here. I think this is a kick-ass draft. Well done. Great insights. Travi, do you want to go ahead and give us a quick breakdown on your 14 yeah. players? So I didn't know what it was going to be here for me at the 12 spot. I haven't really done a lot of drafting with it, um, but I went kind of like a hero RB with Joe Mixon. Um, I just love the wide receivers in this range. I mean, after you get past some of the running backs that fall off the board, let's say like Saquon Barkley or even, uh, you know, Zeke or Leonard Fournette, you start to just see this plethora of wide receivers. So Diggs, Pittman, Sutton, a uh, ASRB was happy to get all four of those. We're starting three wide receivers in this league, so I'm with it. It's PPR. Kyler Murray, I just think as a guy, people are saying, well, he finishes slow every year. He's also been banged up every year, and, and injuries aren't exactly that predictable. So I'm with Kyler Murray again as one of the few guys that can throw for 5,000 and rush for 1,000. Um, Dawson Knox was a mistake. I wanted Dalton Schultz, but he wasn't there. So we'll go. I've, you know, I've always loved Dawson Knox. Uh, I just <laughs> think he's totally the guy I always wanted here. No, I just, I, there is upside in the offense for sure with Knox. I paired him with Irv Smith in the 13th though, for a little bit more of an upside pick. I, I agree with as Liz was saying that Irv Smith, some of these late round tight ends are guys that I want to throw darts on. I'm just kind of in, like she said, I won't go as far as to retreat on my Packers fandom to say the Vikings are going to win the division, but I am very excited from a fantasy aspect for the Minnesota Vikings all the way around with what O'Connell can do for this offense. So give me that. And then just when you go hero RB, you got to stack a bunch of RBs with some upside. CPAT, I think, is getting slept on at least to start the year as their overall kind of do everything player. Because even if he's not the amount of carries got last year they're going to give him a ton of targets because he's just a guy that's going to demand that he's now brought by 11th round tyler algier pick the former linebacker yeah but he what if algier it. sucks because like you know what if you sucks? <laughs> I, then i will suck then i will not score a lot of points yeah, we suck again <laughs> neither will algier so um stevenson madison just guys with upside daryl williams i think is a guy that's kind of like that we need to be in on because that's the pick travi like i love that one i feel like people aren't talking enough about him he should have been someone that i mentioned when austin asked me at the top and we do really think that james connor is going to stay healthy two seasons in a row come on i mean we got probably a better chance to be struck by light lightning twice so i'll take williams here he's always shown to be a good wide receiver out of the backfield and and so I think I've got enough to kind of make my RB2 happen with Mixon down the stretch and score enough points with the rest of the roster. Liz, anything Travis should have done better? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think I give him major props for waiting on running back after getting the mix and anchor at the top. I mean, I think that this is if you want to see, if you want to lean into experimenting, like this is obviously not zero RB, but a real, real space, but like, this is as close to zero RB as you can get with yeah. anchor, especially out of the 12 spot. And I think yeah. that that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I like it. I like that he talked about Stevenson. I I would, I am curious to hear your take on MBS because he is a player that I am just generally fading. And I know that you're a Packers homer, but also aren't you frustrated having watched him drop so many balls? It's not like he's yeah. getting a worse Better. quarterback. Than Patrick yeah, so something what's kind of flipped for me, Liz, on the MBS stuff is, 
we were talking a little bit about psychological profiling with uh, our guy Dwayne McFarlane last week, and we were saying, oh. well, we don't know the psychological profile of Sammy Watkins. So there's kind of this mis- mystery box, you know, we don't know what's going on. I would say MVS being in a system where if he did drop, he had to run back to the huddle to Aaron Rodgers, probably had a little bit of an effect on him. Now, I don't want to play mm. too much into it. My overall strategy with this, though, Liz, is one of Sky Moore, MVS, Mikko Hardman, Juju. I want one of them because I just want to invest in the idea. Like Juju's Juju's ADP is getting steamed up, so it's getting a little yeah. bit hard to get him. But I do want one of these guys. And in the draft, it kind of fell to me that MVS was that guy. He's getting the offseason. Oh, nobody's catching more balls and establishing more rapport than MVS. But uh, I'm not really much buying into that. I'm buying into the fact that I think if I was going to drop a pass from either Hall of Fame QB – I'd rather drop a pass for Patrick Mahomes, who sounds like Kermit, than Aaron Rodgers, who seems to be dating a witch now. So there's more of a forgiving. I think they broke up, by the way. Oh, um, I think wow, they're um, more. I think one is more forgiving, and that might. It's a very mm-hmm. interesting take, and I think when you're splicing all this stuff together, I also am glad you mentioned Juju getting steamed up. You guys, it's you. It, it can't just be because he is Patrick Mahomes theoretical wide receiver one because we have learned that juju is not a wide receiver one right when it was juju and tyreek i was all about that Mm. juju but this time around i'm not sure like other than travis kelsey who is going to be the number one pass catcher on the spot the answer is it mvs is it juju is it you know is it sky more no it's travis kelsey like that's the answer travis kelsey's the answer but I don't want to be like if I had a chance at MVS this late and I didn't get him and then he pops for these big games, uh, I, I think I'm going to be a little upset I didn't take him where I could. Yeah. And even if it is Travis Kelsey, how many years now have we seen Patrick Mahomes support another elite option? And yeah. even if we don't see a second elite option and that production is distributed amongst a handful of other players, there's enough there to make those other players playable. Like every single week, it might maybe maybe it's like wide receiver three status for all three of those guys. Arbitrage is Daryl Williams. Not to keep talking about my team, but that's that's where you let go, Daryl Williams, uh, or not not Daryl Williams, but uh, the the Ceh or Jerick McKinnon Jones today. You know, you go with those guys too because yeah. they could easily increase in usage uh, because of all this. Okay. I like this one. So I'm going to get my team now a quick yeah. rundown before we ask a couple of closeout questions with Liz. Wasn't overthinking this one once pick, Jonathan Taylor, but then I did start thinking and I was like, let's ride this experimental phase. I wanted mm-hmm. to go heavy wide receiver right here, but I just, outside of Mike Evans, I didn't see one right here that really got me excited, if I'm honest. Keenan Allen, uh, Deke, Michael Pittman. And Mike Evans all feel like responsible picks for me. I'm not feeling very responsible. I'm feeling like having some fun right now. So let's load up Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara in this PPR format, who I think could be mega bosses if things go their way, like Alvin Kamara stays out of jail and Aaron Jones does get that increase target load from Devontae Adams leaving. So those are some high upside picks at the running back position. And I was then ready to keep the running back train rolling here. Brees Hall is who I wanted to grab in the fourth. Liz Loza snagged him right before that pick. So I pivoted to what I saw as the highest ceiling wide receivers available there. And that was uh, Marquise Brown now with the Arizona Cardinals and Amari Cooper, who I just think is really being dismissed ahead of schedule. Amari Cooper, who just gets a thousand yards like every year 
with whoever he plays for. And he's going to Cleveland, who I don't even care who their quarterback is. They're going to have to throw the ball. And I don't see anybody competing with Cooper for that wide receiver one spot on day one. I'm ready to ride it, see what happens, make a mistake or two. But I'm ready to put uh, some chips on Amari Cooper right now. And then Garrett Wilson, Chase Claypool. uh, They were some receivers further down the mix that I saw that could still have some heavy upside. I think Chase Claypool could be a lot of fun this year. Garrett Wilson. I'm not a personal fan, but I know a lot of people smarter than me are. So I rode with their wisdom, picked him up. Um, And then to round out my wide receiver core, same line of thinking as Travi. I want somebody in that high-flying offense that's got a question mark and a cheap price tag next to their name. For me, that's me, Cole Hardman. Only one of these guys was having over 100 yards and a touchdown to close out the season with Patrick Mahomes. That was me, Cole Hardman. I know he's probably not as good as we hoped he'd be coming into year three or four, wherever he's at right now, but I don't think he's bad, and I think he could surprise, and I'm willing to spend a 14th or 12th round pick here to find out. Picked up two as a backup quarterback to Jalen Hurts, who I just really like the upside with there, and Pat Fryermuth, tight end grab back. I like him this late. Uh, if I got to drop him and pick up somebody else, we all know how it goes. Not hating on there. Last pick would be or two picks, uh, Miles Sanders and Tyler Algier. Those are depth pieces now for me at the running back position. I think those are solid depth pieces. Um, I think it's a good high floor team. I aim for a higher ceiling. We'll see if that actually comes through. What could I have done better, Liz? I I mean, so looking at both of our teams, like I I don't have an elite wide receiver necessarily. And Mm -hmm. I think that I I wish your team had, I don't know if I would have stuck with Kamara. I totally understood because I felt the same thing. I didn't want Mike Evans. I just felt off about him. So I went with T Higgins. Like I, I totally understand there's nobody exciting. Keenan Allen, there's there's never in that that range. I'm just not sure about Kamara. What's going on with the Saints? Like, what I do know. we like? Like, maybe I'd like Olave really late if I'm throwing a dart. And we know that Jamison Jamison Winston can like definitely support some pieces. I'm also not so worried about the legal stuff. My mom's a lawyer and I kind of like went through it. I don't, I don't think that anything's going to take him off the field for legal purposes or these hearings until the season is over, or at least until December. So I don't think that's going to really be bothersome, but with Jarvis Landry there, like mm. that's Kamara's bread and butter and PPR has been those little slot routes and those short, you know, the short passing options. And I feel like maybe Landry's going to eat into some of that. And then I'm looking at Kamara for what? Yeah. But I appreciated the experiment, and I'm glad you did it because now I've seen what happens when you do. Yeah. And if you had taken Keenan Allen, we would have been like, okay, Keenan Allen, we know what that is, right? Yeah. You don't have any fun with it if you don't, yeah, if you take the guys that are chalk too. I love the Aaron Jones pick though. Like, yes. you want to talk about volume and you want to talk, I mean, maybe Aaron Jones will make up in, uh, in, in targets and receptions, what Kamara will be missing because who else? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Stravi is a circle of trust guy and ain't nobody uh, other than Aaron Jones in that circle of trust other than Randall Cobb. And forgive me for not holding my breath on Cobb. Right. And right. even Lazard, it's like Lazard doesn't wow me the way that Jones has wowed no. me at football. You know, it's like, I think Lazard can do fine this year. I do. I think he could increase, but is he ever going to get to the ceiling that Aaron Jones can? No, no he, he never not. will. And, so and I, not at the position. Yeah. 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 Well, those are great takes. Liz Loza, we always appreciate the insights and getting a chance to chop it up about ball and the mix is uh, where should Whisper Nation be touching in to see what you got working on? 
Um, you can go to, you follow me on social, Instagram and Twitter at, yeah, um, no, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Liz Loza underscore FF. I do work for Yahoo Fantasy. I have a series going right now. It publishes live every th Thursday. It's an article series and I'm going through pressing questions division by division. I've just finished all of the AFC, so I'll start in, actually, no. I am finishing the AFC on Thursday with the AFC West will be the last. And I go every team, like the biggest pressing question from a fantasy perspective for every team within a division. So the AFC will be rounded out as of this Thursday. So please check that out and go ahead and follow the mothership if you want as well at Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter. We got links to her social media in the description. So make sure you smash that there, Whisper Nation. Liz, it's always a pleasure. We appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Much love. Thanks Thank so, much, so much, gentlemen. Lights. Have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right, mister. Are we ready to break down the rest of these shenanigans? Yeah. All right. Get these DGens in here. We'll start with BroCal. Take it away, Austin. Let's see what he did here. Justin Jefferson in the three spot. He picks up another set of wide receivers in the two and the three. He gets A.J. Brown and Mike Evans there in the two and the three. Moving down to the seventh round, he picks up Darnell Mooney. And Tyler Boyd is going to be his fifth wide receiver. He picks up in the 11th. He takes his first running back, J.K. Dobbins, in the fourth with two more in consecutive rounds to follow. Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the fifth. Damian Harris there in the sixth and Rashad Penny in the eighth to make for some extra depth. He takes his quarterback, Kirk Cousins, in the 10th, adds a depth piece in Justin Fields last round in the 13th. And to round out his roster, he's got Dallas Goder, tight end for the Eagles in the ninth round, and Hunter Henry as his second tight end in round number 12. Travis, what are you seeing as strengths here? He takes wide receivers to lead the mix. I think he's got pretty good ones. Do you like his wide receivers but then how do you feel about the running backs that he had to wait a little bit on but was able to manage three not so bad ones if you ask me what do you think yeah actually i'd even go as far to say four i know everybody's gonna be booing me on penny but i do think penny is that guy that like we're gonna write off and this is a, a coaching staff, Austin, that has notoriously not cared about your draft capital, not cared about what you're supposed to be. They don't care about you, dude. <laughs> well, Russell Wilson would probably agree with you on that. They do not care about you. So, but getting back sure. to what he did here with the build, the three wide receivers to start, like I didn't think I was going to like this team. I actually really do. And I thought, oh, taking A.J. Brown there instead of Evans is kind of risky. He gets Evans in the third. So I think that that was beautiful, the way he was able to line that up. Remember, like, we're looking at Godwin probably starting on the P on the pup. And then we're, we don't know about Gronk. Now I think Gronk comes back, but we don't know what if he doesn't, then we've got Mike Evans in the third. Like that's huge for me between Robbins, CEH, Damian Harris and Penny. He should get two of those that are going to be fine. Start his wide receivers. What if he gets three? What if all four hit? You've really got a strong team. Uh, and between Goddard and Hen Henry, you know, I don't love those tight ends. I would have liked to see you get you a little bit more upside later. And you could have gone quarterback a little bit earlier for my liking, but I don't mind the upside of fields paired with the floor that is Kirk Cousins. Is Brocal 38's team a championship contender in the playoffs, on the bubble, or outside looking in? Well, it's definitely in the playoffs. I, I, mm -hmm. I struggle with contender because of the running back situation. Like even at their ceiling, Dobbins and CEH and Harris, are any of those guys going to be like real target getters as, as pass catchers? I don't know. CEH is supposed to be, but he never has been in his career. And the other two, like they just don't, they haven't done it yet. And they're in offenses that don't really throw to the back that, that 
the starting back all that much. So to me, there's a little bit of a, you know, that's keeping him from contender for me. And the I'm with there. Yeah. I got him as a, in the playoffs. And the reason why he's not higher than that, and I'm not even putting him on the frets, it's in the playoffs, and I think he might even be closer to on the bubble for me, and that is because of the quarterbacking position. I know we love to talk about how you can find a quarterback on the waiver, you can stream them, and it's true. But I'll tell you what, if you don't have your tracks set up, it can be fucking painful trying to find your starting quarterback. And if you get on an off rhythm where you start streaming the wrong guy, all of a sudden you have back-to-back finishes with a single-digit fantasy performance from what should be your highest-scoring position. Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields can absolutely get it done. They can absolutely leave you without any milk in your fridge. And I don't know what the fuck that means, but they can do it, man. You're not going to have any milk in your fridge. And that makes me scared because that, you know, you might end up getting like milk. (laughs) You need it, man. It makes you big and strong. I just get a baby cow drink milk. It gets enormous. You need that milk, dude. I don't know if this team's got it at the quarterbacking position. I would have, you know, if he would have taken Tom Brady instead of Darnell Mooney, for instance, or even like Dak Prescott and then grabbed himself another uh, another quarterback in the mix. So get yourself like maybe three if you're going to play this dance. I'd be all about it. I'd say it goes from an in the playoff to butting up to a contender, well, but he didn't. So here we are. And I will say like taking fields does give him the upside to kind of help him. Yeah, it does. But you're it hoping does. for a lot out of fields. And I don't mind him where you took him. Like the value on fields isn't that. But like get me another, a little bit better, a Derek Carr. You know, yeah. a little bit better. Well, I guess Cousins is the same as Carr. A little bit better at QB. Gotten the. Deck. I want to guarantee top seven. I need a guy who I feel really comfortable at being in the top seven with arguably some of that spicy upside like uh, Dak Prescott could have brought you. A Tom Brady could have brought Dude, you. Dude, I just have to say, we put out a thread uh, a couple days ago on Kadarius Tony, and the chat is going off between Ron, Jersey J, and Scott about Kadarius Tony, saying that he's just an injury uh, guy, and then they're at, arguing about that. So I can't wait till we get to talk a little bit about Tony when we get here. But let's go with Don Flick here, Austin, uh, and, and take us away on what his build was here. In the fourth spot, he takes Christian McCaffrey and sticks running back heavy in the second and third. Nick Chubb and Javante Williams picks up Isaiah Spiller in the 10th and Raheem Mostert in the 12th. Five total running backs, two really, really good ones. And then Javante Williams, who has been a darling pick and slipping a little as the Melvin Gordon reality settles in, but still an excellent running back. With the opportunity he gets given, you just hope he gets more of it. He takes his first wide receiver, DJ Moore, in the fourth round and loads up more starting in the seventh with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Watson, the truth, Javante Williams, Rondale Moore, and then DJ Shark. Rondale Moore in the 11th and DJ Shark in the 13th. Some really high upside, some big concerns I'm looking at with these wide receivers. So I'll ask you, do you think he is a contender? Do you think he's a playoff team? You think he's out on the bubble? You think he's you know outside looking in? Where do you where do you feel after all this? Well, with Justin Herbert as his quarterback in the fifth and Darren Waller as tight end in the sixth, he gets he gets playmakers at both of those positions. And I think Darren Waller slips out of the elite category this season, but I think he's still a high end tight end one. He just takes he just he just removes himself from that illustrious shiny role. But I think he is still an answer for you. We say that a lot on the show, like. 
look, this tight end, he's he's not going to be a problem for you, but he's not your answer either. I think Darren Waller is still going to have some answer qualities to him. He can actually help out your team, value over replacement. He's just not going to be like a 1,300-yard, 10-type of touchdown guy. And if he is, that, that would surprise me. But I think he's still really, really good. And I think Justin Herbert is a top-four quarterbacking option. So because of those other pieces, Travis, this team is solidly in the playoffs and nah, fuck it. I'm going to say that it's more of a championship contending team. Without having broken down the rest of the other teams, it's hard for me not to put this team there because I think he's so solid, the quarterback, tight end, running back position. And then the wide receivers he was able to snag do have question marks, but great upside. Um, DJ Moore and DeAndre, well, yes, you know, I got to go playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I got to bring it back because he might only have one receiver here. DJ Shark might be his number two wide receiver week one. Yeah. Until DeAndre Hopkins comes back, I think there's just a uh, even DJ Moore is a little bit questionable. I know he's done what he's done, but he's only ever been kind of that wide receiver two guy for you. And you're taking him as your wide receiver one. And in a league where we're starting three, um, you're potentially flexing one. To, I mean, you got your running back, so you give you give it there. But then it's like you've got question marks. Hopkins out six weeks. May, Watson may need six or more weeks just to get acclimated to the offense. Jamison Williams probably on the pup, so six weeks out. Like, yeah, you're kind of hurting here on, on wide receivers. You're right. right enough to be between on the bubble and playoff team somewhere in there. If you're running, yeah, down, you'll probably be okay. You can- if he gets lucky in the beginning before yeah. Hopkins comes back before maybe Williams comes into form, he, he would be very, but he, he, he would need to get lucky in the beginning. You're totally right. All right. We're going to move on to our guy, dude. Miss the real Mr. Miyagi. Real Mr. Miyagi here in the five spot takes Austin Eckler and rounds out the rest of his running backs with Elliott in the third round. Tony Pollard, that handcuff or slot wide receiver. We'll see what Tony Pollard ends up becoming. Uh, James Cook in the ninth and James White there in the 13th. Does not prioritize running back. One of the first teams he broken down that doesn't outside of Bro Cal. Let's see what he did at the wide receiver position. Then Debo Samuel in the second, Terry McLaurin in the fourth, Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas in the fourth and fifth, Christian Kirk there in the 10th, Jacoby Myers in the 12th. Tom Brady is his quarterback. He picks him up in the seventh, Mike Isecki there in the 11th. This is a team to me, Travis, that would like you'd get predicted to have a lot of the wins as soon as the as soon as you're done drafting it'd be like, oh, you're going to get, you know, 11 wins and in the playoffs. But I've got a lot of concerns looking at this squad, dude. What about you? Yeah, I mean, obviously off the start, we're taking Debo Samuel like we've talked about this back and forth. And I'm in my line. I'm lining up even if Debo Samuel was top five in receiving yards. That's not enough for him to be drafted this high for me. Um, and I think there's other guys I'm taking over Debo. Um, and just because there's so many questions with what San Francisco is going to do. And then the wide receivers, McLaurin's not a camp. Godwin, probably the pup. Michael Thomas, I have no effing clue what's going on. So again, it's the question marks at wide receiver. You've got Austin Eckler, who's a boss. We'll just scratch that off. You've got Ezekiel Elliott, who I love that you got Pollard with him. So, but he's just going to continue. Like I did this last year. You draft Zeke, you draft Pollard. You know what ends up happening? You're hate yourself. pissed off. Yeah, because you're not going to get now. I love where we're getting Zeke value wise and you hope that he can come back. But a lot of times when you play through injury, we've seen that you're medically not the same. The scar tissue doesn't heal. Dude, same. is Zeke going to be David Johnson from two years ago who was like wide receiver running back 20? Something about that. You know, like there's there's a way this ends bad for Zeke and it crashes and he's just going to keep playing and they're just going to keep making him play because he's got all the money, all that stuff. 
Um, Brady, I love here. I, you know, I wish Godwin wasn't probably starting on the pup. We'll see what happens with that injury. A lot of, some people are in and out on what happens there. Um, yeah, I think this one's on the bubble for me. Um, I just, there are questions. I wasn't really down on Brady, but the more we talked about it with Liz, it gets you thinking a little bit. I don't think that he's going to be bad or anything, but you're not really getting the upside you need when your wide receivers were this throughout the first few rounds. If you can float though, if he floats it through and is like 500 by the time Godwin and Michael Thomas are ready, ready could be dangerous. So that's why I think he's almost there. Yeah, it's on the bubble there for me because outside of Eckler, Samuel, McLaurin, and Brady, those are the only guys that I'm like feeling good about. And McLaurin right now isn't at camp, so you don't know. So it's really like it's Eckler. And Samuel's got his own questions that make you a little uneasy too after he had such a freaky good performance last season. Mm -hmm. I'm just a little concerned. Just a little little bit. Mike is our friend here. M. Her 23 is a friend from – uh, get right fantasy network so thank get you. right fantasy network thanks for joining us man you took jamar chase there in the sixth spot keenan allen is your second wide receiver you took him in the third jerry judy in the fifth kenny galladay in the tenth i like that value uh alec pierce rookie wide receiver for the colts in the 12th and john mechie their last pick of your draft in the 13th you took saquon in the second to be your number one running back and paired josh jacobs in the fourth Kareem Hunt in the eighth. Jim, um, Miles, what? Gordon. Oh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Thank you. <laughs> Melvin Gordon there in the ninth and Ronald Jones in the 11th. Okay. And then Russell Wilson's your quarterback in the sixth. Dalton Schultz is your tight end. You grabbed him in the seventh. Travis, how are you feeling about Emher 23's draft? Um, I, look, I, I'm a I'm a fanboy for Chase and Barkley this year, so I really like the way he started it off. I'm kind of dipping on Judy, traded him away in Dynasty, just not really seeing. I'm not getting as hyped up. Maybe that's you know a bad thing. Maybe he's going to be fine, uh, but I just you know he's your third wide receiver here, so it's not terrible. Jacobs is kind of that floor floor play to get with your Barkley upside, but then. I love what you did with Melvin Gordon and Kareem Hunt in the eighth and ninth. So I think that this is a good floor team. I think it's in the playoffs. Russell Wilson, Dalton Schultz, good, consistent usage out of these guys. You've got some upside swings with Galladay and even Judy. You could consider that. Um, I don't care for Alec Pierce or Mechie this season. I think they could grow into something, but in redraft, we'll see. Uh, yeah, again, I think I think it's a playoff team. I think it's like a fringe playoff team for me. It's like a boring playoff team. Yeah. for me it's like like dalton schultz russell wilson keenan allen josh jacobs like even barkley now at this point like this team is probably good and you're biting your nails every fantasy game and you probably win a lot of them but not by a wide margin mm. but you got a high floor yes sir rjc this is sir ron who is just getting blasted for his anti-tony takes on both sides from our guys jersey jay and Scott, but we'll see. We'll get to Tony here in a second when we talk about. Oh, that's a mean sandwich to be in the middle of, right yeah. there, Ron. <laughs> you stand strong, brother. Keep the faith. Derek Henry it takes us his first round pick in the seventh. Pairs David Montgomery in the third and Cam Akers in the fourth to be his top three running backs. Add some more depth with Michael Carter in the ninth. Gus the Bus Edwards in the twelfth. His second round pick was Mark Andrews, tight end there for Baltimore. I like him. We'll see if that draft position can get it done with Patrick Mahomes then in the fifth. So he's got some shiny 
pickups there at some oftentimes not so shiny positions. It's fun. Uh, he takes his first wide receiver a bit later here in the sixth round. Traylon Burks, the rookie out of Tennessee, to lead it off with Hunter Renfro, Gabe Davis in the seventh and eighth. Uh, We've got Bobby Trees, Robert Woods there in the 10th, George Pickens in the 11th, and Michael Gallup in the 13th. He takes, he avoided wide receivers, but still gets some that got a couple of things going on for them. How are you looking at this squad, Travi? Yeah, it's kind of similar to, uh, was it Don Flick's squad with the wide receivers? Like, I can make a case for these guys, and I don't mind them, but it feels like we're rubbing them all together to try and make one guy hit and then you're left in the cold a little bit because I I think Renfro will be a fine wide receiver two to three in PPR but Burks and David like maybe Davis I guess you're taking Gallup late which I love the value but also you need you need guys that can maybe float you while you figure out your wide receiver core you can't be waiting on Gallup to come from the pup in my opinion, I wouldn't I wouldn't build it this way, especially when we're starting three. So you get to week one and you're starting Traylon Burks, Gabe Davis, and Hunter Renfro. You know, there's a world where none of those guys are their team's alphas. Mm. And I'm just I'm a little bit afraid of what that happens there. Now, Burks, I don't want to get too overhyped on the asthma in that thing, but he's taken some time to get ready. And he, and a lot of people thought he was more of a project anyway. So if we get into that world where Burks is more of a project, that's a little bit scary to be taking as your first wide receiver. The mm. rest of your team. I could you can make a case like the value on acres. I think Montgomery's a good RB2 with that safe floor. Henry, obviously, we know. And then Andrews, I thought, you know, maybe his ADP is a little high, but if they're gonna run and then throw to only him, I really like that for Andrews. So I think you, you know, with Mahomes and all what you did at the top, maybe that floats your wide receiver core, but starting three in PPR, I'm a little bit afraid. So I would say, I would say on the bubble more than a playoff team for me. I just if the health stays true, which is always the biggest question, I think this team is firmly in the playoffs for me. And it is going to be floated a bit on the top heavy side with Mark Andrews, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Henry. And then you need one of those wide receivers to pop. But I think he gave himself enough high end bets that one will come through. It's a little bit shakier of a team, but I like the way it was built. I like how he swung for the ceiling and I like the players that he took those stabs on. And it wasn't like he overspent on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, hell, he got him. Josh Allen was taken there early in the second and you're getting Mahomes second half of the fifth. So I like that pickup. I think Mark Andrews is going to smash this year. I know Johnny's in on his inconsistency. I think Mark Andrews has the most consistent and the most points he's had in his career this year. Every sign points to it. So I like this team. Professor Ron. There we go. Yeah. Moving on here to Albert M. 1218. Cooper Cup, the number one wide receiver for the Rams in the eighth spot with Tyreek Hill to his number one fanboy now, dude. I'm liking how much you see Tyreek Hill like just gassing up. Him and Adams are just, they're cracking me up. They're going at it, dude, right? Like Adams too on this yeah. one. I was comp- yeah, that's freaking hilarious. Uh, Leonard Ford, or excuse me, for Let's keep it with the wide receivers here. So Cup, Hill, he takes Mike Williams in the fifth. He takes Rashad Bateman in the sixth. Juju Smith-Schuster in the eighth and rounds out his wide receivers with Tim Patrick there in the 13th. Interesting mix on these wide receivers. A lot of high upside, actually. His first running back is Leonard Fournette taken in the third round with Travis Etienne in the fourth. A.J. Dillon is his third in the seventh. And then Khalil Herbert as a depth piece there in the 12th. Two quarterbacks takes him later with Trey Lance and Derek Carr. I like the ceiling and the floor play combo you grabbed there. And then Zach Ertz is his one and only tight end in the night. This is an interesting squad. It's 
It's pretty sexy, actually, at first glance. Yeah. What do you think, Travis? And I think this is a championship contender. I think he didn't he didn't really miss on anything. He was able to wait on tight end and quarterback, um, and he waited and got Zach Ertz, who I wish I would have taken at seventh round instead of mm. Dawson Knox. I just think mm. the consistency with Ertz, Hopkins being out for six weeks. What if Marquise Brown can't be an alpha from for you know over there? Then you've got Ertz to soak up the underneath. So I right. think kind of what they want to roll with there. And I love these dart throws at running back and wide receiver from one through eight. I mean, obviously not one and two, maybe two, but three through eight, those rounds, I thought he really nailed this. You go and get Fournette, who should be smash. If, if Fournette is healthy, he's a top five back, right? Yeah. Kluge likes him number three. Yeah, like I think he's 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 a smash. Fat Lenny, get out of here. I don't care. Whatever. We'll see what happens in July. Travis Etienne is a guy to smash the dead zone, in my opinion. We've got James Robinson coming back. He could be coming back late. It was a late uh, Achilles injury. You've got Etienne, who profiles as a great receiving back. Could be a DeAndre Swift type, who just soaks up a ton of targets on a bad team. And and are we a really Kamara sure? type, Javante Williams? Sure that we know that there's a number one target in Jacksonville. Like, yeah, they paid Christian Kirk all that money, but do we really love Kirk as the number one target? No. So what does that tell me? Etienne could feast as a pass catcher out of this backfield. So I really who's got the most experience with Trevor Lawrence of all the pass catchers? Oh, right there, Travis Etienne. Yeah. And I think for all the reasons you would like Kirk. Uh, you would like Travis Etienne, middle of the field, intermediate stuff. So I think Etienne can smash there as long as he's healthy and back, obviously, ACL injury for him. Or I think it's Liz Frank. Mike Williams, Bateman, Juju Smith-Schuster, sandwiched in between them, A.J. Dillon. I mean, tell me there isn't just fucking league-winning upside in five through eight right there. Like, that is a smash for Albert here. I really like what he did. And then to pair Trey Lance, who has all the ceiling of QB one through five with Derek Carr, who should give you a safe floor. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think he killed this draft. Best one I've seen so far. Um, and I think he's definitely a championship contender. No disagreements here. Let's see if tokens got anything to contend with on his draft selection. He takes Najee Harris there at the one nine Antonio Gibson's his second running back in the third and his last and only running back is James Robinson. He picks him up in the 11th. Okay. Josh Allen is his quarterback. He takes him there in the second and pairs Joe Burrow with Josh Allen, picks him up there in the fifth. He takes George Kittle in the fourth and doesn't take his first. And then TJ Hawkinson as a seventh. Man, he's going high upside depth pieces on this one. Interesting. His first wide receiver, Elijah Moore, he selects in the sixth. His second, Tyler Lockett, he grabs in the eighth with Tony in the ninth. A Sky Moore in the 10th, Johan Dotson in the 12th, and he rounds out his draft with Tolbert, wide receiver for Dallas there in the 13th. Man, what's your first thoughts on this draft, Travis? I don't I don't know if he knew if he thought it was a super flex. I don't know why he took both the QBs there. Kind of wishing he would have taken, you know, uh, a wide receiver here, even if it's like a Cooks or an Amal Ron St. Brown, somebody. Um, because some of your other guys, I mean, massive questions. I mean, massive questions. Tony and Moore might not play. Yeah. Lockett might be a ghost. Lockett, Lockett's going to have to figure out how, who's their court, like who's going to be the quarterback and is he good enough? Whatever. I love Elijah Moore, but again, they drafted Garrett Wilson with such high draft capital has to mean something there. Is Zach Wilson good enough to support them both? A lot of questions. Uh, Two tight ends again, like instead of kind of drafting the wide receivers, that's my that's my reason why I'd say he's on the bubble for me. Um, I, the quarterback play is going to be strong. Gibson scares me. I know I'm probably alone in on this panel in that, but Gibson does kind of uh, scare me a little bit this year just with what they've been going doing. Harris is another one that 
he's fine for what he is. Good, good first round volume pick. I get it. But if you're he's not going to be as good as he was last year, if you're not going to get wide receivers and you're going to take the running back heavy, I'd like to see some ceiling, real ceiling at running backs there. And I don't see that out of those two, but maybe I'm, maybe that's just me and I'm a little biased. I wanted to bring up Tony because Austin, they are just going to town in the chat on Tony. Oh, yeah. Um, and really the point is that Scott, kind of like what we were talking about with Dwayne, has seen the stats for Tony. And basically Ron saying like Tony's injury prone in a very small sample size. We can't really go off that. I think the one point I wanted to make on this, and, and, I'll, and then I'll kick it to you, Austin, we're taking Tony in the ninth round. So maybe you could say, yeah, take Russell Gage ahead of him. That's fine. I don't, I don't mind that. The guys going past him here, Christian Kirk, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, Chris Olave, Sky Moore, like it's all the same to me. It's a jumble of guys where we should swing for the fences. If I'm sitting here and I'm saying who's got the highest ceiling, he's in that conversation of that bunch. And so I think what Jersey Jay and Scott are saying is they're more risk averse. They'll take the swing on that guy. They'll, they like what they saw. Obviously Jersey Jay, big giants fan. What Ron is saying, it was just too injury prone for him. You guys both can be right. It's your guys's team. You want to build it your way. You want to build the guys. So like for me, maybe Ron's, point here is I take Russell Gage ahead of Tony and I'm fine with that proven track record better quarterback better offense all those things but I do think and as we tweeted out and we put on the Instagram like Tony is a guy we should be looking at in this range with league winning upside should he be the pure number one for the Giants Tony only had one game last year where he had six catches or more and less than 78 yards. Now, he only had six catches or more three times, but in those games, he finished with 78 yards, 189 yards, and then 40 yards. So if you give this guy opportunity and he's able to put the ball in his hands, he can do impressive things with the rock. The question is, will he be able to stay on the field being health-wise? Will he be able to stay on the field attitude-wise? Is the Giants offense going to be competent enough to execute a game plan? And will that game plan have Kadarius Tony centered within it? There's a lot of reason. If those things all happen, Tony is going to rip it up this year. And he doesn't need all of them to happen for him to be substantial. I don't think all those things come to the mix, but I think there's a chance. There's, and we're all we're gambling here on probability for all of them. They got a lot of new variables in New York. And I think a lot of their intention would be to maximize the the skill players that they have. And you got Galladay and you got Kadarius Tony. Like you're not looking to maximize Sterling Shepard or yeah, Darius Slayton. You're just not. Like you shouldn't be. I think I just look at these wide receivers by him, Austin. Like Christian Kirk. Am I really going to take Christian Kirk over Kadarius Tony? In I might. Range? I might. Okay. I might on that maybe, one. Maybe, yeah, maybe you want you want that floor. You want a safe floor. Go for it. Tony and Gage to me, and, and even maybe Galladay to a little lesser extent. Those guys have wide receiver one in their range of outcome, like one mm. through 12 in scoring in their range of outcome. Now, you could argue with me that you can paint that picture is better with Russell Gage. I get that, right? I, I understand that. But there's just a lot of risk. There's more risk that comes with Tony, and I think that's kind of what Ron is trying to say, and he's, he's not going to take that risk. And Scott's over here saying about all the leagues that he plays in and how good he is, and we know that, Scott. We know you're the best, but like also there's two ways to, to – you know, there's more than one ways to skin a cat, as they say, even though I think that's like kind of a terrible phrase. But, um, yeah, so that's just where we're at. There's more than one way to do this, and I think the Gage versus Tony debate is kind of a good one to kind of siphon in or uh, to, to to get in on that philosophy. But let's move on to Jay Blizzy. What do you say, Austin? 
Yeah, in the 10th position, Jay Blizzy, former Whisper listener, league champion, big friend of the show, an excellent drafter overall, takes Travis Kelsey there in the 10th. His one and only tight end. He keeps the pass catching going with Devontae Adams in the second and Deontay Johnson in the third. Takes his third wide receiver, Brandon Cooks, in the fifth. Adds in some more depth in the seventh, eighth, and tenth rounds with Drake London, Adam Thielen, and Chris Olave. First running back off the board is James Conner, selected in the fourth round. He joins Chase Edmonds in the ninth, Neham Hines in the 11th, Daryl Henderson in the 12th, and J.D. McKissick there in the 13th. His one and only QB is Lamar Jackson, selected in the sixth round. I'm seeing a lot of former number ones on Jay Blizzy's team, Travis Kelsey, Devontae Adams, Lamar Jackson. How do you think this squad, though, finishes in the 2022 season, Travis? Yeah, it does kind of feel like that. What have you done for me lately, team? It's mm. kind of looking at like last year, like, oh, it's so good. Deontay Johnson, James Conner. Yeah. I, I, you know, Kluge, um, and Pat Corain. Some of these guys talking to me a little bit about Deontay Johnson. You know, smart guys out there are kind of telling me to pump the brakes a little bit because maybe that was something with Ben Roethlisberger. Then you see what he was able to do as a wide receiver to earn those targets, and you're kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't really. No, I don't mind it, though, because Devontae Adams and Brandon Cooks, like you kind of got some stability here. You reach mm. for some upside with London and Olave late. Then Thielen, who's been a touchdown machine, like if he stays healthy, that's going to be some good touchdowns. The one problem that this created for you was James Conner, who has consistently, you know, we were just talking about his fragility, is your RB1 and you waited all the way. Now, I will say taking Chase Edmonds in the ninth, great value. That like the the cheapest starting running back. And then I liked what you got out of Daryl Henderson. I would have liked to see a little bit better running backs, but in PPR, Hines and McKissick can float you. Jay Blizzy has won championships with our listener league. He knows what it takes to kind of, you know, makeshift that RB2. I don't mind it. Lamar Jackson and Kelsey going to help you float a wide receiving core that could be un, un, per, underperforming. I don't think this is a contender yet. You'll have to make some more moves, but I think it's firmly in the playoffs. Just a lot of question marks for me. And I don't know what's behind door number one or door number two. Is it an overproduction or is it a disappointment? I'm looking at Deontay Johnson. I'm looking at Devontae Adams, who plays with a new quarterback, a familiar quarterback, but a new one in the NFL for the first time. You know, Drake London, rookie. Chris Olave, rookie. Lamar Jackson, perennial question marks. Travis Kelsey is older. Dude, have you seen how – I just got to give a – this is old news to this whole crowd – but Travis Kelsey, I think in our generation of fantasy football playing is hands down the most dominant player we've ever seen. In 2016, he was the number one overall tight end, and he held that role for five consecutive years. And then in the sixth year, he was number two. Like, yeah, holy shit, dude. What a freaking show. In, in the midst of your guy Gronk being who Gronk was, right? And then Kelsey came in and basically said, hold my beer, and then stayed healthy the whole time, unlike Gronk. I'm not no, trying, so yeah, with Gronk's, not Gronk's peak. On Gronk. Yeah, Gronk's, Gronk's ceiling is high. The we best, the, his best, I mean, 16 touchdowns his second yeah, year, yeah, setting right. a, a tight end record. Like, Gronk is scary, but Travis is scary consistent. And you just got to give a shout-out to a guy who's always breaking – not just a thousand yards, but oftentimes 1100 yards, 1200 yards, yeah. 1400 yards two years That's ago good. and like massive touchdowns. So just, just a shout out on how fucking good Travis Kelsey really is generationally speaking in the fantasy football world. Kudos, but still, 
you know, father time is undefeated. We just mentioned last year was the first time in over five years. Travis Kelsey slipped from that number one overall tight end position. To number two, he's 32 years old right now. There's a lot of switch ups coming in Kansas City, which could actually bode well for Travis Kelsey. This could be a better year than he's had even in the last few. But there are more question marks. So I got to flag those. Um, and then just the other piece we met, like huge high upside across the board. But again, just some question marks there, health-wise, new team-wise. Um, but this is an exciting team. I agree. We're going to get now to Smitty Satow to round us out here. Tell In the me. 11th picks, he takes DeAndre Swift, looking jacked and out of Lions camp. Next running back would be Elijah Mitchell. Kenneth Walker is his third, taken in the sixth round. Elijah in the fifth. Uh, Rashad White there in the 10th with his Jamal Williams in the 13th. That is his running backs. He takes CeeDee Lamb in round number two with two more wide receivers taken in the third and fourth. DK Metcalf and Jalen Waddle. Nice. Brandon Ayuk in the eighth. Russell Gage in the ninth. Jarvis Landry in the 11th. These guys are these guys have like no question marks for me. It's all good things. Um, the question mark is just how good will they be? It's not will they be good. It's how good will they be? Um, and then Dak Prescott's your quarterback. You grab him in the seventh. Um, Albert O there in the 12th tight end for Denver. I, I like this team. What about you, Travi? Yeah, I think it was like, as I started to read it, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like this team. And it kind of just kept kept getting there for me. I think it's going to be fine. I think it's even a contender. Um, we're getting some stuff in the chat that, you know, Swift over Mixon. I think you could kind of split hairs. Mixon's a stud, but if, you know, we see the Bengals go more pass heavy, maybe Mixon kind of falters a little bit. You know? Pass catching is Swift's expertise. Pass catching is something Joe Mixon can do. Yeah, he yeah, exactly. I think that was well said. Now you look at Elijah Mitchell and Kenneth Walker. We don't know about their pass catching, but pure runners. So as my RB2, I don't mind it. Like they can yeah. they can give me some floor there. Um, I love the Russell Gage pick. I could buy into Brandon Ayuk's upside maybe a little bit later, but I don't mind it with getting Gage. Landry again and PPR could be a really good deal here. I would like to see you get another tight end with Alberto instead of Jamal Williams, maybe take Irv Smith before I did as well. Um, just something to kind of, but you can waiver wire. You'll drop Jamal. Yeah, you can get somebody there. Um, I think this is, you know, borderline contender, but for sure firmly in the playoffs. Yeah, I think this one is another contender for me. I think this one right along with, um, what was it? We had Albert M and um, other contenders. Brocal was up there too, right? Yeah. Well, with the quarterback, I was a little concerned on that side. But yeah, uh, Smitty Satow, I think, and... Uh, uh, Albert M with some solid contending teams, a few more in there as well, but we ended out on a good one. Smitty. Well done. Whisper nation. Well done. Travi, was there any questions or any other points that we had to get through no, here? Shout out everybody in the chat and just say, you know, like, uh, <laughs> Love, much love to Ron and, and Scott and Jersey J. I know they're holding this down on the Tony stuff. If you guys are still interested in some of the stuff that we had on Tony, we posted it on Instagram. It's on the, the Twitter feed. So check it out. We'd love to keep this debate rolling on just because it's a good one. We got to figure out some of these league winner types throughout the offseason. If you guys want some more info on that, we talked a little bit through that with Dwayne McFarland last week. So make sure you go download the pod, throw it on, check it out. But much love to everybody in here. Mike, Jersey J, Ron, Scott, um, you know, Josh A. He said, thanks, fellas. Love you. We love you, Josh. We appreciate you. We know Johnny loves you, too. Thanks for everybody coming in here. Um, Mike Herrick, Pizza Belly. For taking time out of her day to draft. Okay. With How cool was that, man? How awesome is it we get to have Liz? Was it like third or fourth time? 
that yeah. she's joined us on the show and always just such a an enriched sense sort of uh, bag of insights and entertainment and skill yeah. and just a great human being overall freak stomper mr miyagi i'm probably missing people adrian was in here we had a bunch of people in here just much love to whisper nation you guys give us the the motivation the love to keep fucking coming on here and doing this man dropping some great content we love doing it we're we're you know freaks and and geeks with it too so we want to keep doing it with you so we we just love you guys so that's geeks all I and got. freaks yeah that's all i got for you austin on behalf of big travi i'm austin sear we're the fantasy whispers we'll catch you next time peace peace i'm gonna drop this video boom get out of here right here Hey, you like mock drafting? So do we. Check out one of our previous mocks in the videos here and like and subscribe to catch next week's mock draft coming your way.